time called Christmas. And I just want to start off by saying I have a, two special gifts for you. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm going to read the scripture first, and then I'm going to show you what the two, the two gifts are. Uh, but don't get too excited, because uh, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to get to that in a minute. So Luke chapter 2 and uh, verse 15. That's where I'm going to read from. Luke chapter 2 and verse 15. And it should appear here nicely on our screen. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So my, uh, my present, as we come to this scripture in a second, my present for you is, is two things. First of all, the tie. Um, and those of you who come to the South each week will know that some of you probably didn't even recognize who it was getting up onto the stage. Kind of vaguely recognize him. I certainly know his accent, but the tie, it's Manchester United tie, obviously. Um, so uh, that's the first thing. And secondly, this will be a shorter sermon. It's the second part of this gift. And I know already some of you are going, yeah, I'll believe that. Thank you, Brad. Yes. Praise the Lord. Um, so I, I want to ask a question. Where does everyone want to be when it comes to Christmas? And I can guarantee you it's not the mall. Some of you might be thinking, well, round about now, probably the pub. But um, where do people really want to be at Christmas? People want to be at home. Home is a place where we longingly think is the best place to be when it comes to Christmas because we associate all sorts of good things about home at Christmas time, and we are willing to take risks when it comes to getting home. One of my favorite movies, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, even though it's about Thanksgiving, but we will, we will travel, we will jump into planes, we will get into cars, we will, uh, we will do anything we can in order to get at home, because home is such a good place to be at Christmas. But when we think about the first Christmas, and, and I do need to say, and those of you who are a little more knowledgeable about history will know that December 25th is not actually the day likely that Jesus was born. It's just a day that the church many years ago decided to have a celebration on this day to remember particularly Jesus' birth. But Jesus' birth symbolizes a, a, an interesting time because nobody in the nativity actually was home. I, I looked at uh, one of the pictures for the nativity. If we can just see the nativity picture. And I thought this was perhaps just, this epitomizes everything that makes me scratch my head about the nativity. First of all, please note the flying naked babies. Um, that we like to think of angels, even though angels, the Bible says, are, are actually warriors. And the blonde Jesus with the glowing head and, and all sorts of different things going on in that picture that really make me quite confused when I look at what the Bible says happened at Christmas. But even so, that is the classic image that we think of when it comes to the nativity. But we need to understand that Mary and Joseph were a long way from home. They traveled Many, many miles, the Bible tells us, to get to Bethlehem that was where Joseph, who was not married to Mary, 
to get Joseph back into his hometown for the census. The wise men, or as this young man on the screen quite rightly said, the wise guys, love that. The wise guys in our nativity were a long way from home. They actually says they were, they were from the east, somewhere, somewhere over there. Just, I, I don't know, that, like, what's, what's over there geographically for us? Medicine, I don't know, I'm, not, I'm Canadian British, but they were just from the east. They were a long way from home. But the main central character in the nativity is Jesus. And Jesus is arguably the furthest away from home. Because the scripture says that Jesus actually left his heavenly home to come to earth to live the perfect life that we all long to live and then ultimately die the death that many of us actually deserve to die. And I'll come to that in a second if that seems confusing to you. But Jesus had traveled the furthest. So why do we like to be home at Christmas? What is it about home? I, and, I, and I started thinking about some of the traditions um, that we have as a family. And, and I know that you have traditions that if I came to your house, I'd probably find a little bit strange. I think about British Christmas, and it is different from the Canadian Christmas for sure. I remember as a child that everybody would come over to our house and we'd have Christmas dinner. And, and, and some, for some of you, it looks as perfect as that. Look at the guy on the right. How happy is he? I don't know, is that what your Christmas dinner looks like? I, I, I doubt it. looks slightly delirious. But one thing I remember at Christmas was that so many people came to our home, different brothers and sisters. I've got five brothers and one sister. They, we'd come and, and we'd get the, the emergency chairs out. How many of you had emergency chairs when you were a kid? You know what I'm talking about. They were the chairs that don't actually belong around the dining room table. We'd get like the piano stool in and we'd get the stool. So some people were up here and some people were really low because they're on, they're on lawn chairs. And, you know, and dad always got the best chair. That, 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 you know, and so that, that was one of the traditions that I remember was emergency chairs. I remember my mum always trying to make me eat what I think is the foulest food, the squelchy Brussels sprouts. I, I, could, I could go on a long time about the evil sprouts as I saw them that my mum would make me. She, would always, she knew I didn't like them, but she would always put at least one on my plate just out of principle. You get that down, you Glenn, because it's good for you. But it just looks wrong, mum. Just get it down you. It was a tradition. I had to eat at least a sprout or two. The Christmas tree, of course. This is an actual picture of Sarah and my Christmas tree in family room. With the real fire. Look how perfect my... Isn't that right, Sarah? Yeah. That's not even slight. Look how perfect the, the stockings are. I love that. The Christmas tree, it's a beautiful tradition. And some of you have to have a real tree. Hands shown, please. You have to have a real tree. Yes, actually not as many as I thought. Everybody else have fake trees? Thank you. I'm glad you're listening because apparently... <laughs> so you have to have a certain Christmas tree. How many of you actually go and cut your own Christmas tree? Thank you, Steve. Really? Good for you. That's, that's awesome. We, got our, uh, we decided to cut our own Christmas tree one year, about three or four years ago. We went and we got the tree. We're very proud, felt very Canadian, felt very good about ourselves. And then what I didn't realize is that when you get your own Christmas tree, you cut your own Christmas tree down, you run the risks of 
animals and beasties and bugs being in that Christmas tree, that apparently when they warm up, spiders came out of our Christmas tree. We were finding spiders well into spring break that had come from the Christmas tree. Never again. We will never, ever, ever do that. Literally tiny little baby spiders all over our house. So now we get our real Christmas tree from somewhere far safer. And then, of course, there's the Christmas movies. Love the Christian Christmas movies every year. You know, that's one of my favorite movies is The Elf and also a good impression of my sons at Christmas as well. My mum would always roast a joint at Christmas. Now, just before you get concerned, it means something very different in Britain. Thank you. That's what my mum would do. It's a joint of beef every year before the emails come. And then, of course, we've got our classic walk in the snow. This is actually our home in Kettle Valley. Um, if, uh, no, not even slightly. I just love the royalty-free stock photos you can get on the internet. You see, you'll have different traditions, things that you will connect with home that are really important to you. Some of you have come from many different countries, and you have, a, you have traditions that wouldn't make sense to us. And you will all remember a time when you leave home. When I left home, I was about uh, 17, 18 years old, and I left home, and I went to live in this place, and uh, not that place. The next slide, thank you, Justin, which is Kimmel Hall, and worked there for a while. But even though this looks so picturesque, I couldn't wait to get home for Christmas. Because home at Christmas, home at Christmas symbolizes so much more than tradition. It's a place where you are accepted. It's a place where belonging. It's a place where it's okay not to be okay. It's a place where you can relax and you can be confident that, that, you know, this is where you belong. This is where you're meant to be. And regardless of your age, we all have a place of sanctuary, a place where we should feel safe and we should feel secure. All those things are important things. Now, this is why it's so important for us to consider Jesus and being so far from home at Christmas because the reality is all those three things, and I could fill the screen with different things that are important for us at Christmas and we think of when home, but actually those are also life goals. Those are things that we, as, as we get older, we seek in life. Things that we want in life. Things that we pursue in life. And the reality is, is that we were created to actually pursue these things. No amount of chemicals or, or anything like that that you want to kind of throw together depending on your beliefs. These, these things are actually part of who we are. And yet, I find, I'm 45 in a couple of months' time, I find as I consider life, does the world, does our culture, does our society actually deliver on each of these things? We put our confidence and security in jobs or bank account or in family or even in our own health only to find out that actually it lets us down. Maybe you put your security and your belonging and your acceptance and your, and your, and your confidence in somebody else only to discover that person also lets you down. Maybe you put it into a job, into a career, into your education, into your children. Maybe you just identify so much with your family that when that actually shakes, we discover that if we place our belonging, acceptance, confidence, and security in anything of this world, it seems at some point it will shake and it will challenge you. Maybe this is the first time in a long time that you've been in church and 
and we love that you are here and we love that you've come with your family. But I do want you to consider where do you place your confidence? Where do you place your security? Is it in something that you manufacture yourself? Something you think you're in control of? Because those of us who have been down the road long enough know that it only takes a phone call to make you realize how small you actually are. It only takes one email. It only takes one meeting. It only takes one interaction to make us realize that we're not actually in control because this isn't home. This isn't where we actually belong. This is not what we've been created to do. Do you have a place where it's okay not to be okay? Because Jesus came a long way from his home to actually seek out those people who recognize that they weren't okay, that they needed help. People accuse Christianity for the weak-minded and those people who need a crutch in life. And to that, I will totally agree. I am weak-minded. I do need help in life. And I've discovered that my culture, my society, my world, albeit they promise, do not actually deliver on what true home actually delivers on. So how does this connect to Christmas? Look at Philippians chapter 2. And there's just a couple of sentences I pulled out of Philippians chapter 2. It says, being born, this is Jesus, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So this is, this is the nativity. This is Christmas, that Jesus was born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself. See, Jesus left his home to call us to our real home. He left his home to call us to our real home. I have a real home. Now, you might think that's a strange thing to say. And how do I, how do I know that I have, that this, this world, this culture is not my real home, what I've not actually been created for? How do I know that? Because deep down inside, I have a sense of something more. I have a sense of something more. I have a a love beyond. It's like we're all seeking something more. And we try and fill that more with all sorts of different things. And we're really good. I'm excellent at convincing myself of something. I can sell myself anything. And I will sell myself onto the idea that if I could just get that, then I will find that sense of belonging and security. But what happens is once I achieve that, There's a beyond to that. There's a beyond to that. And there's a beyond to that. C.S. Lewis said something really, really interesting. One of my favorite writers, he said, If you are really a product of the materialistic universe, how is it that you don't feel at home there? I often say to church on a Sunday morning, when it all goes quiet and we switch everything off, and it's just us and our thoughts, we know that there's something more We know that there is something more. Ecclesiastes 3.11 describes it as this. It says that you have eternity in our hearts. We have eternity in our hearts. You can kind of get it. We have deep inside of us this sense of the eternal. Because if for whatever reason suddenly life comes to an end... And you really, you have to really convince yourself. You have to have a, an, a supreme amount of faith to believe that that's it. Because deep down inside, we know that we've been created for more, a beyond. We have it planted within us. At home, we, we have a new member of our family. His name is Foosh. I'll show you a picture of Foosh. 
Uh, that's not actually Foosh. But I do look at Foosh, and I wonder, I wonder whether he wants out. I mean, this fish probably wants out. For the younger members of our congregation, this is not an actual photo, I, I hope. But I look at Foosh, and Foosh and I kind of we look at one another through the, the tank, and I think, I wonder whether he wants out. The thing is, is when I actually take him out, he seems to just want to go right back in. And I've tested this, sorry Zoe, because I, I, it's Zoe's fish, and he just, he just wants to get back in. There's no, there's no desire for anything more, it seems, than just the water, that's it. And you know, you look at my dog, Jed, Jed just seems, no, that's, oh, that's our old dog, oh, that's Jed. This is Buddy, Buddy, our dog now. But he wasn't quite as loved, apparently, as much as Jed. Jed was my dog. Short for Jedi, for obvious reasons. But, the, you know, you look at him, and he just sees, he's got such a simplicity to life. I don't think Buddy's sat in his, in his box or in his bed thinking, oh, man, I just wish that I could have a beyond. That's what sets us apart from animals, this, this sense of eternity in our hearts. There's a beautiful story in the Bible called The Prodigal Son. And um, it's an incredible, I'm actually preaching more on Prodigal Son next week, but the Prodigal Son is this incredible story of a young man that has strayed away from home. And he's tried to find his belonging and his acceptance and his fulfillment a long way from where he actually belongs. And it's a beautiful picture of the eternal, wonderful God the Father and us straying a long way from him to a place where we know that we don't have these. And we go back to that slide of belonging and acceptance. We don't have this list, and I, it took me 30 seconds to pull this list together. We don't have that, even though we search for it, because we've wandered away to a place where we don't actually belong, and Christmas changes everything, because what it does is it presents this beautiful truth that there is something more, there is a beyond, there is something that even though you can't physically grasp it in this world, deep down inside it's planted within our hearts and our, and our souls that we, that we get a glimpse of every now and again. Sometimes it's through a pu- beautiful piece of art or, or scenery or a piece of music and you're just captured by it and it's like our spirit connects with it and it's that sense, that echo of eternity that's planted inside of us. And Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to live the life, the perfect live, that life that you cannot live. And then I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die the death that we all need him to die so that we could have the life. Because we have this, this sense of something more, but our own choices draw us away from God the Father. And, and we try and deal with that, what the Bible says is sin and shame by filling it in with all sorts of activity and busyness and distraction. But we're still left with the reality that we are a long way from God. And the only way that we can shorten that gap is by Jesus taking the punishment so that sin that separates us is done away with. And then we have a connection and we have this this beautiful, can we go back to that picture, Justin? This beautiful image of God the Father holding his son. We have this beautiful image of God the parent holding his child. And that's ours. That's the gift that Christmas reminds us of. But we tend to run, we tend to drift, and we know that we are not where we ought to be. You know, many years ago when Sarah and I were, were uh, courting, no, we were actually, I think we were actually married when we saw Braveheart. 
saw Braveheart in, uh, in Glasgow. Now, my wife is Scottish, and, um, and she, uh, we would often go back, and we would spend time with her family, and I would sit there as, a, as an English guy, listening and trying to understand what was going on around me, completely confused, because you need to understand the way that Glaswegians talk uh, is so confusing that, that, that I'm sat there squinty-eyed going, what and what? And they even have a completely different phraseology, a completely different way of saying things, and it's confusing. And no amount of me practicing my Scottish accent is going to actually make me become one of them because I am everything that Scottish people don't like, which is English. Because it's that thousand years of tyranny, and they're still mad. You know, give me an excuse. You know, and I'm sat there like, it's, it's kind of scary. And this is family. So we decided, foolishly, that we would go and see Braveheart. And this is a long time ago now. And some of you, this is a great movie. And Mel Gibson playing William Wallace. And this represents everything that especially Glaswegians love about their history. Even though most of it was made up. But you won't say that. Don't say that to the Scots because they'll get very mad. So we went to see Braveheart in Glasgow. And you sit there as an Englishman, very quiet. Because you've got this two, three hundred people watching this movie. And the tension rises as the movie continues. And at the end where it's freedom, and he dies. Oh, sorry. He doesn't really, yeah, he does die. Sorry. Spoiler alert. And he dies. I have never been. Sarah was sat by me thinking, I married an Englishman. I remember the end of this movie. Silence. I've never been in a movie theater where nobody moved. It's like, show me an Englishman. It's one right there. <laughs> I'm thinking, right, I'm going to just do a wee Scottish jig as I leave. Hey, show me an Englishman. It was scary. Genuinely, it was scary. I was like, I've got to get out of here. And I found as I said it, how English. I said, should we leave, darling? It was terrible. I didn't belong. I can do the dance. I can do the Scottish accent. But I'm not Scottish. I'm English. And you see, it's plainly obvious. I don't belong. And you see, in this world... It's plainly obvious. We can do the dance. I can't say dance now without the Scottish accent coming on. We can do the dance. We can do the jig. We can do the work. We can put on the accent. We can work really hard. But we know that there's something more. And that is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about more. It's about calling us home. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus' life and ultimately his sacrifice because he loves us so much. Now, we were told a few weeks ago that we weren't allowed to light real candles. And Maureen Marshall and team have done an amazing job of creating a beautiful atmosphere in here. But surrounded is light. And you all have, I hope, a, a, a candle. Thank you. Yeah, I can see that's beautiful. And what we're going to do at the, at the end is we're going to sing a song and we're going to celebrate Christmas and we're going to hold this candle. We're going to shut off the lights and it's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. But here's the reason why we're doing it. 
We're doing it because this candlelight represents the light of Jesus coming into what sometimes feels like a dark world. And not only a dark world, but sometimes it feels like it's dark inside. And as we come and we can sing and, and we can look at these words and we can hold this little light and we can look at it and, and enjoy the atmosphere and celebrate Christmas, what we're doing is ultimately we're celebrating the journey that Jesus took from his home in heaven to earth and ultimately to the cross. We can get rid of William Wallace now. Thanks, Justin. Home for Christmas. So here's my question as I finish. Are you home for Christmas? Really? Not just home where all the traditions and emergency chairs and, and um, beef and turkey and all those wonderful things that we love, but are you home for Christmas? Are you still searching? Because I tell you, you can find it right here. You can find it in the quietness of your own heart as you breathe out a prayer, Lord, I love you. I'm sorry. I need help. Forgive me. And the scriptures are so clear. I don't have to even persuade you and manipulate you into making a decision because those of you who are ready will pray the prayer and will celebrate for that. But I just want us to take a moment just before we sing. And maybe you can switch on your little candles and maybe that will help you think about light in the world, whatever you want to do. But I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray that you will find home for Christmas. For those of us who call ourselves Christians and love Jesus and then... Welcome home. Welcome home. That's what Christmas is about. And those of you who are still searching, we're so grateful that you are here. But where is home? Make Jesus, make heaven, make your, your ultimate destiny that God created you to be home for Christmas this year. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. just take a moment in quietness dear Lord we're so grateful that God that we have this time of year where we can just focus not just on food and family and fun and all those wonderful things Lord that you have given us the Lord, that we can just take a moment and focus on the tremendous gift that you gave to us. That life itself was given to us. Home itself. And so Lord, I pray in Jesus' name now that as we just sing as a church and we celebrate Christmas, that God, that, that it will be like a homecoming. That, Lord, that we would just be able to resonate with the truth that we were created for something so much more than anything this world can give us. And, Lord, I pray that as we sing and as we lift up our voices, that those, Lord, in the room who perhaps don't know you, that, God, you would call them home. That, Lord, that they would be able to pray that prayer and ask you, Lord, to change their life and seek your forgiveness. So, Lord, I pray in this Christmas season now, that God, I pray a blessing on everybody here. But Lord, I pray more than anything, there will be a connection with you, Jesus. We thank you for the light that you are in what sometimes feels like a very dark world. So we ask these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, why don't we stand?